0: You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. The one thing, the one thing you must do, the one thing you should ask for, the one thing you need, the one thing you're probably lacking, the one thing you can't forget We've been talking about one thing for several weeks now. Mm-hmm. And now we have arrived in Second Peter and we're hearing from the Apostle Peter about his one thing. The one thing he wants to remind us of. And uh, I'm excited about this passage of scripture. There is so much that is there that we need to explore. And that's what this, this time is for. And so... I pray that uh, the fallow ground of your hearts have been broken up and that you are ready to receive with meekness the engrafted word. The scripture says, which is what? Able to save your souls. Amen. Peter starts out in second Peter in chapter three and he says. Beloved. Amen. That's what he says in the King James. You know, that's a word that I use quite a bit. Uh, I, I'm always talking about beloved and here in second Peter chapter three, I think four times he says the word beloved, beloved, beloved. But in the NIV, it says, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders. I'm in verse one to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Amen. I want to what stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Remember, they don't have a a, a full Old Testament, New Testament. This is still new to the scene. And so it's actually pretty exciting to see that Peter even though he had a conflict with Paul that's recorded in Galatians where Paul said I had to I had to uh defend myself to his I had to defend him to the face Amen. He had to get face to face with him that he talks very later on in verses uh, uh, 16. He's talking about the apostle Paul. He says, just as our dear brother Paul wrote you uh, with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking to them in these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction so again there's an affirmation there that as Paul's letters were circulating people understood that this was the word of God amen these were the holy scriptures and he says listen first and foremost before we can even get to later in the passage I want you to I want to stimulate you to wholesome thinking I want to in short activate your mind amen I need your mind to be activated and how do I want to activate your mind I want to stimulate it through to wholesome thinking through recalling the truth of the word of God God is always looking for you to have an active mind when it comes to his scripture Amen Now many of you have an active mind for other things Amen God is not interested in your mind being active as as our brother Tim would say, with black foolishness. Amen? We're not interested in active black foolishness at this time. So when we're talking about activating your mind, the apostle Peter is saying, listen, I need your mind to be active, and I want to stimulate it to wholesome thinking. Dear God. Something that we don't spend a lot of time doing, unfortunately. Amen. We're not thinking about things in, in a wholesome way. But God said, I want you to think about the good things. think on these things. What the, whatsoever things are, you know, true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report. If there be any mercy, if there ain't be any praise, think on these things. Come on, somebody. And in those things which he have both learned and received and heard and seen, seen in me doing the God of peace shall be with you. That's Philippians four, eight, nine. Amen. And so, again, think on the good things. Amen. I want to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. And I want you to recall the truth. Of the word of God, the old and the New Testament scriptures, I want you to activate your mind. And why is that so important to the apostle Peter? Because he says, listen. I want you to recall these things. First of all, you must understand, verse 3, that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing? What do scoffers do? They scoff. That's kind of what they do. So when he says scoffers will come and they will, they'll scoff. That's what, amen, that's what scoffers do. Amen. I want you to recall, he said, I want to, he says, they're scoffing and following their own evil desires, they will say, where is the coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. He says, listen, I'm getting ready to talk to you about a very important subject. It's called the day of the Lord. Amen. This is a future event. For us, he's not talking about the rapture, but he's talking about when Jesus returns to set up his millennial kingdom on earth. And again, it encompasses the, the tribulation and the millennium and the white throne judgment. All of that you can encompass is almost like not one event, but it, that all kind of uh, ties in with the day of the Lord. And the apostle Peter is, is saying, I, I want you to, to, to know that the day of the Lord is sure it is. It is coming. Amen. He said, but guess who else is coming? There'll be... Scoffers that come, so you should ant- not only do you need to activate your mind that 's why I-, I told you that activate your mind, remember what you 've learned I want you to I want to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to understand what the the, the prophets and the apostles have been t- saying to you because as you activate your mind, you also have to anticipate the mockers. the mockers are coming anticipate that they will come, and why is that so important because mockers or scoffers are there to throw you off your Game, they'll tell you where is this great coming of the Lord? When is it going to happen? Everything continues just like it was since the beginning, since creation. What's interesting is Jesus says this in Matthew chapter twenty-four. But wait, before I get to the, the what Jesus said, let, let me let me read. Just a couple of more verses here. They will say that he says, but verse five says, but they deliberately forget. He just said, I need you to remember. And in direct opposition to me, trying to get you to remember what you've learned, remember what you've been taught, remember the truth of God. There will come folks that will come in your life that you will interact with that deliberately forget that long ago. By God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, also the word, uh, uh, also the world, excuse me, of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved not for water, but for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. He says they deliberately f- forget God has done this once before, amen? You, you, you're already forgetting. They're, they're saying, hey, everything continued just like it was. Everything stays the same till it doesn't. Everything is on till it's off. Everything is good till it ain't. And that's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 24, verses 37 and 39. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Somebody had their wedding reception, y'all, that same day, and then when that first raindrop hit, they were like, what is this that's disturbing my wedding reception? And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Here the Apostle Pete is saying, you know what? The The thing that the scoffers are deliberately forgetting is that this has gone down once by water already. And that everything continued, that it was the earth was formed and made. God created it. And it was it was going along fine as far as everybody knew until it wasn't until God pivoted and decided that I have to destroy this world by water. And he said and he promised Noah, it won't be the water. It's the what? It's the fire next time. Amen. And so here is the affirmation. And it says by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for Fire again, reserved, meaning that the day of the Lord is sure it's coming, kept under the day of judgment and destruction for ungodly men. You have to. You have to anticipate that the mockers will come and they deliberately forget what God has done. And the contrast is clear. They forget what God has done. And they pursue their own evil desires because of it. Listen, that's why it says scoffing and following their own evil desires. You cannot have a perspective and a view on God that would be separated from what you pursue because your perception and your perspective on God informs every pursuit in your life. And if you don't believe that God is coming back, if you don't believe that there'll be a day of the Lord, it will inform how you uh, interact with everyone around you. The scoffers is like, I don't see any change. I don't see anything happening. I don't see God doing anything. Therefore, I'm going to do what I want to do because I don't believe he's going to do anything. They deliberately forget what God has done. And if you don't actively remember what God has done, if you don't actively remember and activate your mind around the truth of God, then you will also slip. You have the possibility, beloved, to slip into behaviors and follow after evil desires because you don't believe God's going to do anything. You forget what God has done. And it's terrible as it could possibly be to forget what God has done. That is not the highlight that Peter puts into view. He says, listen, the mockers, they forget what God has done. I want you to remember what God has done, but then he says this and it, it's just awesome. He says, But do not forget this one thing. (laughs) The day with the Lord is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. God is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long suffering towards usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What is he saying? (laughs) Not only is it important to remember what God has done. The apostle Peter is telling us here, you better, if you don't, don't forget this one thing. You better understand who God is. Makeup. If you don't appreciate his makeup, then you will be confused about what God is doing. It will not allow you to focus. He says, don't forget this one thing. I, I need you to, I need you to understand what God has done, how he has gotten down. And I want you to activate your mind around that. And I want you to also know again, I want to, they deliberately forget what God has done in the past. I don't want you to forget what God has done, but more importantly about what God has done, I need you to know who God is. And there are, there's some things that some attributes of God God that the apostle Peter simply reminds us these are not all of God's attributes amen he said but I need to tell you four or five things about God so that you'll be able to focus because there's something I want you to do it's got to inform your behavior it's got to make you it's got to make you do some things differently but you have to appreciate his makeup he says a day with the Lord is like a thousand years a thousand years is as one day he says, I, 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 de- I just need you to know who he is. And there's, there's no more important thing you can do in your life than to know who God is. It is the most important thing that we can know. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the uh, strong man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him that boasts boast in this, that he knows and understands me. That I am the Lord who executed kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. In these things I delight," saith the Lord. That's that's Jeremiah nine twenty three and and twenty four. He says, "If you're going to be boasting about anything in this life, it better be about that you know and understand me. There is no more important thing that you can know than to know and understand God." Second, second Peter in chapter one, Peter tells us this: grace and peace be. Yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and, our, and Jesus our Lord. His divine power hath given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The apostle Peter is affirming for us not only is it the most important thing that we can know is knowing and understanding God. It is the most imperative thing that we can know. It's the most necessary. Why? Because it provides everything for life and godliness to know it's through the knowledge of God. So he says, listen, I need you to get this. This is a message that I want you to know. You've got to appreciate who God is. You have to appreciate his makeup. Otherwise, you will misjudge the certain the, the, the current circumstances that you're facing while you're anticipating, I'm telling you, the day of the Lord is certain. I'm telling you it's coming. The mockers are telling you it's not. But I need you to not only remember who God, what God has done, but i got to get you to remember who God is. And when I say a day with, uh, uh, with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day, I'm telling you, God is eternal. He operates outside of time. Time is a construct for you and for me. It is not anything that God is bound by. God is what? He's eternal. So if you know that God is eternal, then you've got to appreciate his perspective is eternity. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. Psalms 90 and 2 says before the mountains were born or you were brought forth from the whole world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God psalms 93 and 2 says your throne was established long ago you are from all eternity psalms 145 and 3 says your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations the lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does why because his kingdom is a everlasting kingdom so when you understand god is eternal then he is not marking time the same way we're marking time god is not Slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's telling you something else about your God. Something that's important, something that's powerful, not only is God eternal, he's letting you know, additionally, God is loving, God is patient, and God is merciful. If you don't understand that God is eternal, if you don't understand God is patient, if you don't understand God is loving, if you don't understand God is merciful, you will misread the delay of God doing what he promised that he would do he's, the scripture says he's not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but he literally is long-suffering towards us romans 2 and 4 says this or do you despise the riches of the goodness and the forbearance and the long-suffering of god not knowing that the goodness of god leadeth thee to repentance it's his goodness that allows us to repent in the, in the first place. And in Romans 9, it says, what if God, after although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? He says, what if he what 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 if he's showing that he has has some has some patience? What if you you start to appreciate that God is so good that, that it's the goodness of God that even leadeth us to repentance? What if you look at first Timothy two and it says, He wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth? That's what he wants. He wants all people to be saved and that's why he gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed at the proper time. He said literally the heart of God is that nobody should go to a godless eternity. That is the heart of God unfortunately for those that don't know him he gave them a choice and there are many that will choose away from god they'll choose uh independence from god instead of dependence on god they'll choose they'll choose the the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life they'll be in a place where they don't have dependence on god they won't enter into an eternal love relationship with god through the person of jesus christ and they will miss out but god says my heart is that nobody should miss out on a relationship with me. Even look how he dealt with the children of Israel. hmm. In Psalms chapter 78 it says they remembered that God was their rock that God most high was their redeemer, but then they would flatter him with their mouths, lying to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time, he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh. A passing breeze that does not return. Mm. And again, it's not like he remembered like, oh, I forgot who I made. No, I know who they are. And I'm trying to give them every opportunity to turn this thing around. Speaking of giving you time to turn this thing around. We land in Lamentations chapter 3, 22 through 25. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. For his compassions, they fail not. Matter of fact, they're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And then it goes on to say the Lord is my Portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him the lord is good unto them that wait for him for the soul that seeketh him in there you see in this in the fact that god is merciful you can break that apart just looking at lamentations chapter three and see some elements of god's mercy the first element is it is of the lord's mercy that we are not consumed that's forbearance i am holding off giving you what you deserve Amen. Sister Annette mentioned that don't, you don't deserve the love of God. You don't deserve it. What we deserve is death because the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All we deserve is death. And when we get mercy from God, he keeps us from what we deserve. And when we get his grace, he keeps us. Uh, he gives us what we don't deserve. As I've said many times, deserve is the most dangerous word in the English language. If it comes out of your mouth, I just want you to remember this. If you say, I deserve this, just say one word right after you say it, death. That's what you deserve. You don't deserve a promotion. You don't deserve any new resources. You don't deserve a relationship. You don't deserve anything but death. And so do I. Death. But the gift of God is is, is eternal life. And again, that mercy, you see there, there's forbearance, there's forbearance that's in the mercy of God. And then it was you can see there's also reliance that's there. Again, it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not because his compassions fail. Not, they are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. It's like the Lord is my portion. I will do what I will what sayeth that therefore I will hope in him. There's reliance that's there. Amen. It's, it's, it's not just the forbearance. You, you see that there's reliance on the goodness of God. There's reliance on God himself. And then you can see also in his mercy, there is abundance. Why? Because you can see that it's not old stale mercy he gives you from last week. It's new mercies every morning. I got fresh mercy because you got a fresh uh, problem. I got fresh mercy because you got a fresh challenge for today. I'm giving out fresh mercy just like Panera Bread makes new bread every morning. They don't serve you day-old bread, and God does not give you day-old mercy. And he's not running out. And so there's an abundance that's there and there's forbearance and there's reliance and there's abundance. And he says, and in mercy, there's some perseverance that needs to happen. He says, it's a good thing to patiently wait on the Lord. It's a good unto him that waiteth for the soul that seeketh him. Why is it a good thing for you to persevere? Because if you wait, you will be satisfied by what God has. God is not going to leave you hanging. He is not going to leave you out there. Amen. Don't forget this one thing. Those that don't know him. They forget what he's done. He says, I can't. I don't need you to forget what he's done. But you this one thing you better not do. You better not forget who he is. Appreciate his makeup. Appreciate who he is because it informs what you do next. When you know that God is eternal, when you appreciate that God is eternal, when you appreciate God is loving. Again, that is that's the baseline for everything. That's the foundation of everything. God is love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is so loving that he gave. God loves us with an eternal love, a love that cannot be won therefore it cannot be lost it's an eternal love God is eternal God is loving God is patient God is merciful but don't forget this too is when he says this in verse 10 you might not pick it up he says but the the day of the Lord will come like a thief The heavens will disappear with the roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Why is that going to happen? Because in addition to all of the other things I said, and this is something that people try not to think about when they think about God. But you got to understand, too, of all those other things, God is holy. It's not always going to be the Lamb of God. The next time it's the Lion of Judah. At some point, God says, that's it, and now I'm going to give everyone what they deserve. That's justice. He says, I'm the one that executeth kindness, judge, uh, justice and righteousness in the earth. And these things I delight. There is a justice element to it. And of course, that justice comes from the fact that he is holy. That's why Peter said in his first letter, he said, but just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Amen. You've got to appreciate that God is also holiness and his holiness demands that the day come. And if you appreciate that, it will inform how you process the circumstances around you. And if you understand all of that. Then when Peter asks this question, then you can not only just say, listen, I know I've got to activate my mind. I know I've got to anticipate the mockers. And part of the reason that I know I have to anticipate the mockers is because they're doing the exact opposite of what I should do. They, they are a reminder to me that that they forget not only what God has done, but I, you know, I got to remember not only what God has done, but I also have to remember who he is. And we do that all of that to appreciate his makeup so that you can adjust your mission you gotta be able to adjust your mission your mission if you choose to accept it is to understand who God is understand the the circumstances and the landscape around you and then respond to the apostle Peter's question when he says since everything will be destroyed in this way what kind of people ought you to be what y'all going to do? That's what Peter is saying. Not what are you going to do? What y'all going to do? Given all that, what y'all going to do? I'll tell you what you should be doing. Peter says you ought to. Come on, somebody. He's don't even wait for it. a matter of fact, Peter says, I don't even want to ask really Get your little lame answer. Let me tell you so that we can end the mystery here. Let me, this is what this is what you need to be doing. You ought to what be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of the Lord. Ooh, and speed its coming. Oh my gosh! There's a mystery there that we don't quite. Fully understand about how do we speed the coming of the Lord, but I I think it's it is definitely in Romans, and I can't think of where off the top of my head because I didn't write it down. But there, no, I think it's I think it's in Romans nine where it talks about um, the that that the hardening of Israel comes in part so that. He can so that the fullness of the Gentiles can come in. There is a fullness of the Gentiles. It's what God is saying is that he knows how many are going to be saved. And when that number happens comes when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in that's when we begin to see him move on the day of the Lord so again not slack concerning his promise not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance but how do we speed the day of the Lord we again need to be able to make uh, the the kingdom as attractive as we can we need to be speaking to as many people as we can with our lips and our lives, so that we can again. Uh, uh, God has, you know, the the difficulty with God having a number or being able to say the fullness of time and us allowing us to get in on it by speeding it is when you have omniscience and omnipotence and omnipresence and all of immutability and all that God has. It's 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 like all these quote unquote calculations are happening all at the same time but he's saying I gave you a job to do I gave you a job and that's your mission if you choose to accept it I need you to uh, uh, I need you to adjust your mission and that means you got to adjust your outlook that means you got to adjust your output and it means you got to adjust your outreach those are the three things I'm looking for you to do that's why it's important that you don't forget this one thing not just what I've done you got to remember who I am and because I allow you to get on what I'm doing. I need you to adjust your mission. You're not doing what I need you to do. And if you're not, I need you to say, listen, I gotta change my outlook. I wanna be able to look forward to the day of the Lord. And it says not just look forward uh, to this uh, 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 because uh, the the elements are gonna be destroyed by heat and the heavens will uh, 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 be burnt up by fire. But verse 13 says, but in keeping with this promise we're looking forward to a New heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So again, the day of the Lord for us, there is a judgment aspect to it, but there's a new heaven and a new earth. That's when Jesus goes down to Staples and he gets that Staples button and he hits the reset button and he says, we're starting over. And he says, if you're looking forward to that, you will adjust your mission. Yeah. Okay. The day of the Lord is sure. It's coming because God is holy. And he says, what kind of people should you be as you keep that outlook in your, in your vision and in your perspective? He's coming. I'm being reminded again that he's coming. Even though, just like in the days of Noah, things will continue as they are till they don't. And it will be sudden and it'll be a pivot like you've never seen or I've ever seen. The only people that even know anything about that pivot is the people that lived in the time of Noah. When only eight were saved and the whole world perished and was swept away. He says, when you understand that and you have that outlook, he says, it will change your output. Your godly living. What kind of people? You'll be pure and spotless is what he says. He says everything will you'll be you'll be found. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Spotless and blameless and at peace with him, as opposed to the false teachers that Peter talked about in chapter two, where he says in verse 13, they will be paid back with the harm for the harm they've done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes. In contrast to being a blot or a blemish, he says, I want you to be spotless and blameless, just like Jesus is spotless as he talks about in 2 Peter uh, 1, uh, 1 Peter 1 and 19 when he says, Jesus, but but with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. He says, I want you to be like Jesus because Jesus is coming back. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. He says, it's got to make a difference that you know who he is because when you know who he is and you know how he gets down and you know that he's eternal and he's loving and he's he's patient and he's merciful and he's holy it's gotta adjust how you move around in the world it's gotta inform how you interact with everybody around you there should be a sense of urgency that we have around our output our 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 mission our life our ministry there should be some spotlessness and some blamelessness as we look forward to the day of the lord so there's an outlook that we have to have if we're going to adjust our mission there's some output that needs to change or increase but then it's not just that he said listen there's outreach that you have to do so that you can speed the day of the lord that's part of the mission we can't shrug our shoulders and say people are going to hell and that's nothing we can do about it that's not what this passage says this passage says Increase your outreach because there's an urgency because you don't know when the day of the Lord happens, but I can assure you, baby, it does. And he says it'll happen and come like a thief. And that scripture in Matthew that talks about the thief and the night If if the owner of the house knew what time the thief was coming, he'd have been ready. Can't help to think about a <laughs> story about my, my mother, who's, who's 82, and if you think about how she moves around now, this story, you, you can't even imagine this, but we, we got uh, word when we were little, I must have been like seven, eight years old at the time, that the Smith boys were coming to rob our house. The Smiths live across the street. And one of the girls that my mom used to have a Girl Scout troop, she came and told us, she said, Miss Sally, (laughs) they're robbing your house on Wednesday. Looks like they had a schedule. Shara's house on Tuesday, Kevin's on Thursday, Sally's house on Wednesday. So they're robbing your house Wednesday at 930. It was like they gave a time. It was like "Mm." so everybody in the neighborhood knew. My mother said, they ain't robbing my house. She stayed home from work and hid in the basement. All she had, you remember those old little, th- those weed, uh, you should be able to pull the weeds up, but it was just like a little, little fork thing with the, with the t- that's all she had. 9.30, on time, the Smith boys came across the street, broke the side window, my mother heard it. Down in the basement, hiding. There's a phone down there. So she calls the police. But she can't wait for them. She hears them moving around in her house. And she was as ready as she could be with her little weed whacker thing. Comes up the stairs, screaming with her weed whacker. Ah! The Smith boys panic. There's two of them, I think. It was a whole bunch, like eight or nine of them, but only two were scheduled for this robbery. Tyrone was one of them. Tyrone was definitely scheduled for the robbery. So they jump out of the back out of the window. It was on a like a first floor but it's like a, you know, 8 9 foot drop. Jump, they jumped out of the window. My mother jumps out of the window as well. No shoes. Glass where the, the was broken. Cut her feet all up chasing the Smith boys back down the street with her weed whack police finally show up she said he said man what happened them smith boys robbed my house went across the street when i'm trying to pretend like he just woke up hey what she's like that's him right there that was one was in my house but she was ready because we knew the thief was coming and she used come on somebody what was in her hand now i can't imagine her jumping out of a window now but mama sally was something else back in the day i'll let you know that And you should be something else now because you know what's going to happen. You know that the day of the Lord is coming. So I need you to stay home from work. I need you to get in the basement. I need you to be prepared to call. But I need you to be ready with the weapon that's in your hand and do whatever you need to do to protect your house. Adjust your mission so that your outlook is different. Your output is increased. And your outreach is where it should be and if you can do that that means you have not forgotten that one thing don't forget the one thing amen